I think it's a part of it is maybe feeling the need to conform to certain beauty standards and being being a Filipino does, doesn't necessarily always line up with those standards. I mean, I just it's sort of um, an insecurity of mine. So I think that's one way that that crops up. Um, and you know. Hi, we're back. Season nine, episode eight. We're almost done with this season. And honestly, it has been quite a journey, like being able to listen to a whole new narratives, a whole new set. And being able to also take breaks um, while being able to listen, process, and share their stories on the platform. Today, I have Ata Liberty here on the podcast sharing her growing up experience here in Hawaii and also what it's like being born and raised in the rural town of Waianae in the West Oahu. Ata Liberty was born in the 4th of July and she is the Director of Marketing and Communication in Hawaii Public Radio or HBR. And for my cat lovers out there, take this as a note or a sign. Ata Liberty is the founder and owner of Popoki Tea a cat cafe in Kaimoki. I honestly, it has been like a really honor to like hear um, her story and really reflect with her um, what it's like to be Filipino in Hawaii. And I know that like all throughout this podcast, we've been hearing a lot of different stories of what it's like growing up in the different cities, different towns here in Oahu. I know there was a couple that I interviewed who were off island or over down in the mainland. But here's to say that there is a really a significant history of Filipinos in Hawaii. And I'm not sure if you caught on so far, but this is another one. So take a listen, learn, process with me, <laughs> and share your thoughts on our Instagram at Kasamahanko. So let's get to listening. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, just for formality, knowing that it's already recording. Um, just to repeat it over again, my name is Chachi and I am the host for Katamo Henko, a podcast that hears a lot of the stories of different Filipinos, Filipinos in Hawaii, whether they were born, grew up, a transplant, or actually has some connections to the island. Um, for today, I am really grateful to be connected with um, with someone who I actually knew prior to the pandemic. Um, a lot of 
mutual friend has asked me if I could have a story with her. And actually now I'm really grateful for this opportunity that I have to be able to hear her story. And today on this podcast, um, may I have our guests um, share a little bit about who they are and how would they would like to be introduced from and what title would you call the season of your life right now? <laughs> Hi, my name is Liberty Peralta. Um, I have plenty of, I guess, titles. Um, I am a daughter, a sister. I'm a business owner. I'm a marketing director, um, cat lover. <laughs> <laughs> and the title currently that I would give to this season of my life is sleep deprived. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically we're working, you know, all the time and um, about to leave on a trip actually for work. Um, but happy to, happy to chat with you, Chachi, and make some time to do some self-reflection too. Yes, thank you so much. And I'm honestly the the title comes in so well, especially with the the timing of our life right now. It's a time of like really continuation of like just go and go. And sometimes we may even forget to even have a rest for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Even Uh, with the many hats that you hold. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no. What was it? Uh, no rest for the wicked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, I kind of wanted to go a little bit back in the past and kind of ask, um, how, what is your relationship with our island or? specifically here in Oahu? My connection to Hawaii, I was born and raised here. My grandfather immigrated here back in the 20s. Uh, He, like many Filipino immigrants, came here for a shot at a better life. Um, He was, um, he worked on the plantations and um, that's the beginning of my family story here in Hawaii. And yeah, I grew up in Waianae, currently live in Kaimuki. So yeah, that's my connection to Hawaii. <laughs> and as a descendant of a cicada, how how do you feel um, actually? Have you had um, stories with your grandfather my my grandfather unfortunately passed away when I was 10 so I didn't really get a chance to really talk to him much about that um but my dad has stories about that um basically he and my grandpa would work the pineapple fields and he would always talk about you know just hard labor hard labor under the sun was not not a good time (laughs) and uh but it was what they did to make a living and uh you know send money back home too and 
be able to reflect a little bit about your your family history could you say that it has impacted you to today i like to think so i think my my dad has always had a really strong work ethic that he's um through osmosis or otherwise passed on to his children <laughs> so um so i think maybe that that's sort of an indirect or maybe a direct uh re relationship to, to to the family history i mean he he learned the value of hard work very early on um hence my sleep deprivation <laughs> <laughs> yes and kind of like shifting a little bit more to current now have you personally struggled in wanting to be uh quote unquote being filipino i think so and i think a lot of people have, <laughs> struggle with their identity in some way um i think it's a part of it is maybe feeling the need to conform to certain beauty standards and being being a filipino does, doesn't necessarily always line up with those standards i mean i just it's sort of um an insecurity of mine so i think that's one way that that crops up um and you know i mean they're growing up as a you know growing up out in wine like i think people have certain stereotypes about certain kinds of people so we were you know fellow filipino kids were classified a certain way that we were always like the smart kids kind of lumped in with the other asians in school and um yeah there's there's some truth to that you know we tended to be in all the ap classes and the honors classes um but you know i also recognize that as a huge generalization and there are a lot of filipino kids who wouldn't who <laughs> weren't in those classes so um stuff like that i mean i i i think that other people have struggled more than i have but it's it's definitely been something of an internal struggle yeah ada thank you for sharing a little bit and actually going a little bit back at, at a young age did you like fully embrace your own filipino identity um i i always had the understanding that of where i came from my my mom would bring us to the philippines quite often when we were we meaning my sister and i when we were growing up um so we got to visit my my mom's family quite a bit um my dad's family i'm not as close to um just because my mom was always the one taking us to the philippines my dad was a workaholic girl <laughs> that's good. that's shocker um so uh yeah so i got to i got to meet a lot of um family members on my on the mom's on my mom's side of the family um so i i've always had that understanding of where my family came from 
and actually I was pretty fluent in Tagalog up until you know I started school so it's so early on in life I because I have I have pretty clear memories of speaking to my parents in Tagalog you know and I, I still understand the language but I I am not very confident in speaking it myself I wish I was maybe that's a growth opportunity for me maybe practice it a little more and were there ever parts where you were ashamed of even calling yourself a Filipino? Um, you know, fortunately, I, I, I've never felt embarrassed about being Filipino just because I was aware of what that meant so early on because of um, travel and my parents talking about it. And no one made me feel like, you know, being Filipino was a, necessarily a bad thing. I think I think it's just more so like what I mentioned earlier, like people that I considered to be, you know, beautiful in a certain way. <laughs> you ever really related to that? Like, oh, like my nose is too big or <laughs> my Filipino nose or stuff like that like it's sort of indirect insecurities but no one no one directly made me feel like being a Filipino was a bad thing mm-hmm. yeah and kind of like uh going more with that do you say that the beauty standards in the Philippines kind of impacted a lot of like trying to like make yourself a certain way um I've never really I didn't grow up in the Philippines so I I've never really been exposed to those those specific be- I I think I should clarify uh, I I'm, I'm talking about like western beauty standards right so but in in the Philippines they have their own set of beauty standards which I always found very interesting like whitening soap was something that was introduced to me when I was pretty young and I remember my mom like <laughs> bars of it and I'm just like oh wow like this is weird <laughs> like I mean a lot of Filipinos I know are pretty you know they're darker and I don't know if that's necessarily something to be embarrassed about but in the Philippines it, the skin tone is I mean I mean I, this is a lot of places in the world actually but in the Philippines skin tone is seems to be associated with class and um so a lot of people aspire to be white and pale. Um, and I remember I, I have specific memories of my mom giving me the papaya whitening soap <laughs> as, as a teenager uh, and, you know, suggesting maybe I should try it. But it wasn't, it, she she'd like push it on me. It was just kind of like, hey, maybe you need this for like your knees your elbows <laughs> she never the like, subtle hints yeah <laughs> and actually on the lighter side anyway I mean I'm not I, I remember getting com. I, I remember getting a comment from someone in school once from another Filipino Filipino American student and she she was like are you Filipino like where where's your family from and so I said you know my dad's from Ilocos so he's darker and and my mom's from originally from 
Vis, uh, the Visayas, but she grew up in Manila, so she's she's fairer. And so my my classmate said, "Oh, that's that's why you're not as dark as I am." Like she was just kind of trying to reconcile how I could be Filipino, I guess, because it wasn't as dark. And I was like, "Yeah, that's so." My parents are from two different parts of the country, and the Philippines itself is such a diverse country. So. Yeah, I I remember that where you're from in the Philippines kind of associates whether you're darker or lighter. Like the mm-hmm. northern, if you live in northern region, you're more seen as like darker. And then if you're in the central or like Visayas region, you're more considered fair or lighter. Yeah, because of the, um, I don't know, I guess, specific, I'm not a scholar on these things, but mm-hmm. <laughs> my understanding was um, a lot of Spanish influence and Asian influence from continental Asia played mm-hmm. into that too. And then of course, like more urban part, like Manila, you know, they, they have access to certain beautification uh, things that <laughs> more rural people don't have easy access to. Kind of going, kind of going away from that question a little bit is how would you say you understand a bit of your own Filipino culture, and what parts of your culture are you still fascinated by? Well, food is an easy entry point to any culture, <laughs> so my mom still uh, cooks lots of Filipino food. <laughs> um, so we were very lucky growing up that she she always cooked dinner and uh so that that was maybe the closest cultural element that my sister and I had growing up when when we weren't actually in the Philippines like when we were just living in Waianae day-to-day experience was was eating Filipino food um and I'm trying to remember if I've, because I've heard experiences from other Filipino American and Asian American uh, people who they, they've they've had bullying stories of bringing their families' dishes to school for lunch, and I don't I don't have any specific memories of that. So in in some sense, it was like my parents. I don't know if they were necessarily aware that they were doing this, but like, I just remember packing like PB and J's, like, <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't bringing like, you know, Filipino food to school. Um, so it, it's kind of an interesting upbringing because my parents, because my, my dad was actually born here. So he's actually an American citizen, but he he grew up in Ilocos and then he came back here as a, as a teenager. So, and then my mom, I, I don't know if it's a remnant of growing up in Manila or, um, but she 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 was exposed to a lot of Western culture too. So I think between the two of them, it, it, like they straddled the two worlds more so than maybe some of the people I knew in school did like a lot of the people in school that I remember being around like like their families were much more um 
how how do I say it like with without um more steeped in Filipino culture not that my parents weren't just we were definitely a little more westernized mm -hmm. um my my dad he he worked in construction for a long time so the way that he talks to people in his or talk to people in his field was very you know sounded like a local guy so I think they my, my dad in particular was really good at um um sort of emulating or reflecting the the people around him like fitting in basically mm -hmm. and that was something that I was exposed to from like from the age and can you and it, that's really a really interesting part to bring up because um knowing that having your uh just repeating again like having your dad grow up here in America and then being able to have this kind of exposure of more westernized culture in comparison to um, some some families would be more uh, very still ingrained with a lot of uh, the traditional kind of values Filipino realms trying to have a little bit more backstory is could you say a little bit your family lineage a little bit more uh, westernized i mean not not 100 i mean i think my sister and i definitely are more westernized than my parents are i think with every generation and it just kind of veers more and more toward that side of things um but yeah i mean my like we had we had the huge fork and spoon hanging from the wall <laughs> growing up you know we my mom was always cooking filipino food we were always going to like family parties for, with more filipino food <laughs> and and you know karaoke and stuff i think maybe it was more like my my dad um was was a skilled chameleon like he knew how to bridge different worlds he was very comfortable with that i think part of that too was you know he 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 was in um he he uh he has military experience right so he served served in the military and um so he spent some time in california too so i think maybe that's part of it mm -hmm. and i think I think where I'm kind of drawing is like the life of also be growing up in Waianae, like the, I guess it's the community out there is a little bit more different in comparison to um, being in the central or leeward, not leeward, but central and like the Honolulu side of Hawaii, where um, the culture out there is a little bit more different a lot of filipinos out on that side at least from what i remember growing up were involved in farming and at one point we lived on on farmland and um so our like those parties that i mentioned with the karaoke and, and the, all the food and stuff those usually took place on someone's farm or someone's house beside their farm <laughs> so they're so very rural 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, I guess to a little bit transition more is um, what does it mean for you to reclaim your Filipino identity? I think to reclaim my Filipino identity, to me, that means an opportunity to redefine what that means because that could look like so many different things to so many different people. I think that there is maybe one general idea of what being Filipino means. Maybe it means, uh, you know, speaking the language or um, dressing a certain way or hanging out with certain people, uh, you know, that, but, but I don't think that the, that Filipino culture is a monolith. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there are so many different experiences within the, Fili- the the wider Filipino community that it doesn't that doesn't really mean any one thing that look that could look like so many things um I think maybe part of it is um remembering the values that um that you grew up with um and I think this applies to everybody right and um passing that along and carrying that with you wherever you go whatever whatever you end up doing um yeah so I don't think it necessarily reclaim I don't think it necessarily means you lost something I think it just means it it evolves into something different and that necessarily that necessarily is not a bad thing I think it's just it's a natural progression and for you growing up like when it when it comes to the sense of um being a Filipino in Hawaii, what is a one memory that you could remember um just sharing with your family? This is probably not the answer you're looking for, but <laughs> my my parents were always very private people. <laughs> um I don't know if I I mean I, I think I, I carry some element of that. Um, but it's funny because I'm also like, I work in marketing, so it's just not (laughs) private at all. I mean, all marketing is all about promotion and getting the word out. So it's kind of ironic, but I think for me as a person, I, you know, I mean, I I don't need to, I'm on social media, you know, but I, I don't need to broadcast every single thing. Um, so maybe that was something that I learned at a young age. Um, I don't really have any specific memories of that. I just remember, you know, my parents being like, we never had people over at our house. Um, my mom was always embarrassed about the state of the house, even though the house was fine. And, and those, those are things, I mean, this is not even what exactly I meant, but like, they're almost sort of character flaws that I've inherited because now I, I, I've kind of taken on some of that too, where I always think the house is a mess and I never want to invite people over, <laughs> which is, it just seems so antithetical to like most Filipino families. But see, that's what I mean is like Filipino identity is not, doesn't mean any one certain thing. I think there's maybe your stereotypical like big family gatherings at the house which, I mean, we, like, our cousins, like, I have so many cousins, 
but we never had any of that. We never had birthday parties at the mm-hmm. house. We kept everything very small and within our immediate family. And I think, and I know you said that maybe that's not the answer I'm looking for, but but is but I think that is the answer because there is no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Like we're trying to, sure. like, <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to really um to gauge a lot of your story, and I think that is is that um. And I think you kind of emphasize it a lot is like our Filipino story is really different um, yeah. than what you normally see in the media. Like they're not going to capture it 100% because our stories do differ from person to person. And I think one thing that I kind of got from from just hearing you um, share a little bit about your family is that um, some, some of the character flaws that may have and that, that we inherited is something that we're constantly learning and how it can actually make sure that in the next, for the next generation, like how can I um, make sure that they don't make the same mistakes that um, generation that we have. Right, having the awareness of how even seemingly small mm-hmm. n- neuroses can be passed on to your children or whatever. And for the record, I don't, I don't have any children, um, but I, I do have a nephew. He's about to turn one next month, which I'm super excited about. I love being an auntie. Um, and so even more so that, that even though he's not my child, but just knowing that what you do, even more so than what you say, it's like what you do can really influence an impressionable mind Mm -hmm. and I think this is a perfect segue where if there is something that you would want to tell 12 year old self like what advice would I would say to stop being so afraid (laughs) I remember being so afraid to try things and um it wasn't until a little bit later you know after college and everything like you know, starting my own business. That was, that wasn't, it was something that I had always wondered about, but it wasn't something that I was necessarily dedicated to. Like I didn't, I didn't go to university and be like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> like I, 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 I went to college thinking that I was going to go work at an ad agency. I majored in advertising and be like Don Draper um, and Mad Men. Like that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it turned out a little different, not, not, not too far off. I'm, I'm, I still work in a pretty creative industry. Um, I work in public radio, uh, it's my day job and, um, my, my business is a cat cafe, which has all kinds of creative opportunities. <laughs> so, um, creative, creativity has always been there, but I think I remember growing up, uh, and being afraid to, um, I don't know, like being afraid to travel, being afraid to uh, try different kinds of food, being <laughs> afraid to, uh, like I had so much anxiety over choosing a major in college. Um, I mean, the anxiety is still there, <laughs> but um, I, I think starting starting a business is probably one of the hardest things that you could do and so I think once I did that 
that was sort of like a personal test, like, hey, you did this hard thing, you can do other hard things. Yeah, it's like really being able to put yourself out there in hopes of like, like being able to improve yourself more. Because yeah. you, you don't know what, you don't know how life will be if you don't try. Yeah. Yeah, I was always just, I mean, I think part of that is still there of trying to uh, get things right the first time. But I think I realize I have, I have a better realization now that that's an unrealistic expectation. Yeah, I totally can relate to that. I feel like we can grow up to having such a perfectionist mindset, but at the same time, that's not always the reality of things you have to fail in order for something to succeed right um and I guess like my closing points would have to be um if you could describe overall your personality in a Filipino food um what would it be oh man oh what did I okay um I I I I picked pancit palabok just because well first of all that's like my favorite I mean, I just had it for lunch, actually. <laughs> I didn't even plan that out. Prepare <laughs> um, for the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even make the connection. I was, I just, I was just hungry, <laughs> and I was, and I was in Kalihi and near a Jollibee, and I just <laughs> got got the fancy palava. But, um, but that, yeah. So I would pick that, <laughs> not just because I had it for lunch. Um, it, you know, it's very plain foundation right it's noodles it's rice noodles and nothing exciting but it's 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 the things that are laid on top of the noodles that make the dish so amazing <laughs> and uh how does that translate to my personality I think I think my base I think I'm kind of a boring person most of the time but when when I get to do creative things I think those are opportunities for me to thrive and shine and I and I think you're not a boring person I feel like you you're actually very interesting enough to want to get to know and you have so much experience behind your belt that anyone listening right now to the podcast may not know this about you and like um something that I've learned through just our conversation from our 15 minute conversation until now is that there's so much of you that you continually want to do and like you continue to try um with 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 anything that may happen yeah I mean that's that's life right something doesn't turn out how you expected I mean that first of all that doesn't always mean it's a bad thing just means that it turned into something else and maybe it was even better than what you expected and other times it's an opportunity to improve upon that original idea Mm -hmm. and the last few seconds of the podcast I would like to give it to you as a promotion in anything that you're currently doing that we want to be able to uplift sure um well, I have a cat cafe, like I mentioned. Um, it's called Popoki and Tea. Popoki is the Hawaiian word for cat. And um, we're in Kaimuki on Wailai Avenue. And if you 
like cats or maybe are curious about cats, um, I invite you to check out our shop. Uh, we make our own tea that we prepackage ourselves. We have other beverages too, including coffee, but um, you can make a reservation on our website, popokeantea.com. And you can also uh, learn more about our business on that website too. And I kind of second that because when I visited Pavoki and Tea, I was very welcome and the cats there are so, so friendly, even if one does wants to be on their own bubble. Yeah, I we get that we get that comment a lot. Like your cats are so friendly. And I'm just like, were you expecting them not to be? But I think I think there have been, I, I actually asked someone that and and they were like, no, I've been to other cat cafes and they're definitely not this friendly. And I think I think um, maybe part of the reason for that is because our cats come from a rescue where they are actually in foster care. So they spend, they, they actually have to spend at least two weeks with someone in their home or, or at the cat charities office where their cat charities is our, um, the, the animal rescue we partner with. So they they have opportunities to be with people and other cats before they come to the cafe. They're not they're not taken from an directly from an animal shelter and put in a cat cafe. Mm -hmm. um, and I I think and I think our model is actually quite common. If you go to other cat cafes um, in the continental U.S., they tend to work with um, fosters before they put them in the cafe. So I think that's an important part of the, the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think this was actually a really fruitful conversation to have. And like, I feel like I learned a lot from you Um, even prior to preparing for this conversation. Like I actually was really nervous because- Really? I, yeah, I was actually really nervous because I'm interviewing someone that's working at a public radio. How do I, um, how do I do this? <laughs> Let me pick your interviewing skills apart. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Um, and I work on the marketing side also. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like it'd be even more nerve-wracking if you were interviewing someone from my news department. That would be I think I would I think I would be nervous about that. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you again for taking the your time to be able to just chat with me and being able to share parts of your story um to the rest of our listeners out there um like i like this has been like really so much for me to take in and like just being able to learn more about like the the different filipinos from across the island is just so much to like take in like we all have different experiences that makes up make us who we are yeah yeah and um you know, like I said, we're, we're not a, not every Filipino, mm -hmm. has, you know, we all have our, we all carry our own experiences and um, that's what makes us individuals, but we all have this common thread of ancestry. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like there's like all of the people that I've interviewed, they're all in Kahiki or Waipahu. And like, my, like rare occasion I do get someone from Waianae. 
I think the mm. past the past season I had someone from Y and I and it was like hearing the experiences from you to hers is really different and I think that yeah. is one thing that I I want to hear because I I understand like there there no one has the same exact story like everyone started at the different yeah and even 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 Filipino kids and Filipino American kids in a certain community aren't all the same like like I know like I said earlier like all the Filipino kids in Waianae are not like I'm 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 definitely different from a lot of other <laughs> kids that I knew growing growing up so um yeah even in in a one community you could have different stories mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's pretty much the end of the question and wanted to ask if you wanted to end off in anything else before we kind of stop recording. I, um, yeah, I, I think just some thoughts like I, um, I would like to be fluent again in Tagalog. I think that that would be cool. And I think this podcast is a nudge closer <laughs> some motivation to 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 you know maybe practice the language again take a class find an app or something that could mm-hmm. help me with that um because I understand it quite well you know I'm very fluent when it comes to understanding it I think it's actually just like speaking it again mm-hmm. which is a totally you know it's that's that's an important part of language too is being able to communicate the language so thank you for the in unintended <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> yes. And I and honestly, like the the biggest thing about this my goal and hope is to continue to keep like making sure the Filipino community here do feel the welcomeness and don't feel that they're not don't feel the intimidation that they aren't allowed to embrace their Filipino identity due to the stereotypes that they have been exposed to growing up because that's what I felt like before and now it's just like it's all about focusing on who you are focusing on your mission and being able to just um, live your own Filipino way yeah and I think and I think a lot of that is also developing the confidence and and self-assuredness in yourself and I feel like that that is just something that some people just have it and some people like myself uh foster it over time mm-hmm. with with experience um so I think that that's that's a part of it too um and you know again I I've been pretty fortunate in my life to not have as much adversity as, as say someone else who maybe faced a lot of discrimination growing up and bullying and you know I so I recognize that I have been for the most part shielded from a lot of that um but I think that um taking whatever experiences you have and processing it in your own way and uh making that a part of yourself is that's part of the journey and I think that's that's a really great way to kind of like end off the podcast and I just want to say again thank you 
Ate Liberty for the honor to hearing your story because it's something that someone out there listening may need to hear. Yeah, uh, uh, well, I hope that something that I said resonated with someone out there um, or, you know, listener. I hope you took something away from this. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help. And uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast.